This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the Luke and Pete Show. It's episode 20. God, we're old. God, we're old. 20 now. That's 20, crazy, isn't it? 20 years young. Is we're it? soon going to be riding cars with boys, I tell you. Are there more episodes of this or uh, Fast and the Furious? Uh, what, are they on nine now? There must be on a few, yeah. What's called, what was the last one? I've, I lost count at Tokyo Drift. I think frankly. I've only seen the first one. <laughs> you must have done some press junkets for them all, though. No. No, really? never had to do that. Never had to bother Vin Diesel for any reason. Right. It's fine. It's fine. Who was uh, it? Oh, I saw Blade Runner. Oh, the new one. Hot dog. I enjoy Blade Runner. And there'll probably be an online backlash saying it's not as good as you think it is. Rah, rah, rah. But, right. you know, it was good. It was bloody good. I didn't even notice how long it was, uh, which I think it was cracking on for three hours in the end. But it was a uh, beautifully uh, shot. Uh, Denis Villeneuve. So it's been, it's been exceptionally well reviewed. Oh, it's so good. And I think because my wife hasn't seen the original, right. we're going to watch the original this weekend, yeah. and then we're going to go to the cinema next week and watch it. it. I think it will compare favourably to the original. Oh, I, think, I imagine it will, yeah. Well, it's, I think sometimes with... Um, I can't remember what, what version I watched back in the day, because remember like, they had... There's a director's had a, cut as well. Well, yeah, yeah. and, he, and he, had, like, he had his voice replaced, didn't he, or, or something. Well, there was, like, one of them's got... I think I'm going to say famously now but I can't quite remember I think famously it's one version has got narration and one hasn't right and okay. I don't know which one's which oh so maybe that's it yeah because yeah. for some reason in my head I thought that they'd replaced Harrison Ford's pipes but I don't know that would just be ridiculous wouldn't it it would be a bit my trepidation though, of watching the new one comes from the fact that I'm not really a fan of Ryan Gosling I don't like him that much. I think he's very watchable. I think uh, he doesn't do much. and He never I does think, it, does he? No, but I think, uh, in the same way that you were talking with Ben a couple of weeks ago um, about actors that um, don't have to do t- much, they just have to hold everything together. Yeah. I think he's in the Steve McQueen mold, that kind of way you just where you just have to well, where you just have to be beautiful and not really do much. And No, he, he was good Steve in... Steve McQueen's got some chops, though. Bad education. Gosling. Oh, Half Nelson, isn't it called? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bad Education was that terrible BBC yeah, Two. With uh, Jack Whitehall. With Jack Whitehall. Yeah. Bad Education. Yeah, uh, yeah that one. Because I good remember, in that. I mean, my, my evidence was... Lars and the Real Girl. I haven't seen any of those. So right, I'm, well, those two are decent. But I'll tell you two of them I have seen. Place Beyond the Pines. That's a, that's a piece of shit film, but it's beautifully shot. I didn't think it was a piece of film or anything. I just thought it, it was a li- he didn't really do anything. Well, he it? just did Drive again, didn't he? He just did the kind well, and of drive, quiet, quiet, moody man. Drive, to me, was just like a, an elongated music video. <laughs> yeah, it was good, wasn't it? 
I was listening. I was quite around, cool to watch. I was right around Japan listening to like the whole uh, a soundtrack. Be- yeah, the soundtrack's amazing. There's a beautiful Tumblr blog dedicated to men who've gone to fancy dress parties as his character in Drive, and they all look oh, absolutely shit. Absolute shit. Yeah, it's yeah. so funny. Why do they? Do- why do people do- always never pick someone legendarily handsome? Never pick someone legendary, co- legendarily cool. You just always go fucking stupid. And you would know about both those things, don't you? Massively. Oh, you are my- legendarily cool and legendarily handsome. I have done. Um, I was going to say Baywatch. Uh, David Boy as the um, Goblin King, Jareth. Yep, you have. I've gone as Ed Suzanne's about five times. It's let more than that. Right. Because you paid 100 quid for the outfit. So it you was, go all the time as Ed Suzanne. And the only thing is, I only use half of it because the, the, the kind of fake leather, the full leather, um, is the full suit, his full kind of like black is it, leather suit. Is it perished? And uh, <laughs> no, the lining's perished. No, but I wear trousers and when, he, you know, when he tries to pretend to be a, a human boy. Yeah. Uh, and so I try, but it's just very hot. Um, have you ever gone to a fancy dress party as his porn star alter ego Edward Penis hands? <laughs> no, but when I was interviewing the director of um, Edward Hands, Tim, Tim Burton, I did show him a picture of me dressed as Edward Hands. Oh, what did he said, say? And he said, he said, he actually went, "Oh, that was you. That's you." And he was really surprised. He was really um, he was pleased pleased with my performance. He's trying, so to, to, he's trying to sell a film, isn't he? He's trying to sell a movie. Don't be rude. He no, said, it, he, to be fair to you, Pete, he said, he said. That uh, I could be in the aforementioned uh, Edward Penis Hands films. Well, I and agree I had with films. that. <laughs> apparently, there was two. Well, listen, I, I am what someone. What who, story was not told at the end of that? Well, who knows? The mind yeah. boggles. I, I would, I would be someone who's not shy in having a pop at you for ridiculous clothes that you occasionally wear. Mm. It's affectionate. It's not a mean thing. No. But I would have to locker be, room. Exactly. I would have to be totally fair and say that your fancy dress outfits. I mean, you wear them every day. But no, your, <laughs> no, your fancy dress outfits are very, very good. The, the kids would say they are on point. I hate um, people who go to fancy dress parties half arsed. Well, my thing like is... they're above it. So Fuck you. Yeah, I think get involved or don't. Yeah. I agree. But I also hate it when people use it as an excuse to try and be sexy. Oh, no, it's Halloween. It, I want to go as a sexy nurse. It's, that's nothing to do with Halloween. That's not. Yeah, but that's not. Like, that's not their fault. That's the. That's Smith. It's usually Smithies. They're the big. Uh, they're the big costumiers. What else do they do? That company. Smithies. They have fake noses and fucking. Yeah. You know, um, nurses with busty nurses. I'd love to hear from a listener who's worked at Smithies. Well, men. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> it's, it's just a factory. It's not like a shop. It's not an outlet. Has Angels to work, is the outlet. But someone but, has to work there. It sounds like well, it, it sounds like a company that'd be in Bash Street Kids or something. But they never. I. I think they just go to Google. Google and go, right, what are people talking about? What have people been talking about the last year? I bet there's a Smithy's Drive costume. Oh, but there is. Oh, but there is. But Pete, the thing is, someone's got to actually work there. Yeah. Someone has to work there. Yeah, but I'd like to meet the person in Smithy's who goes, right, I think a Ryan Gosling Drive costume is just what... He's going to fly off the shelves this year, and let's get rid of the um, sexy Kool-Aid girl. Pete, I'll tell you what I did an absolute killing on. Austin Powers, mate. Hey, Austin Powers. Oh. They were all over the place, weren't oh, they, for hey, years? Baby. My mate had to do some stand-up once uh, dressed as Austin Powers. Why? Had because to. for the launch of The Spy Who Shagged Me, he had to. Uh, he was a stand-up, and he had to go and do his normal that stand-up set. That's the worst job ever. No, do his normal do stand-up set in like the, in some dirty uh, nightclub in Leicester Square to a lot of indifferent... Um, oh, the, I, think, I think there were people going to watch the premiere, and he had to do some stand-up dressed as, uh, dressed as Austin Powers. Not doing any material. Right. Not doing any so, shagadelic material. But we're both in a situation where we do work, where we get, we get like radio work, basically, mm. doing different stuff. You do a lot more corporate stuff and commercial stuff than I do, but is there anything that you would say, no, I'm not doing it? 
Uh, it's, the, it's the major food groups, the sun, isn't it? It's the major kind of like... No, I don't mean a specific brand, I just mean the oh, job. Right. I think this is too embarrassing, I'm not doing it. Um, I'm not, I'm not, I don't really care about your ethics. I mean the actual no. job itself. Uh, not much, no. So if they said that, you've got to do that. You've got to present the whole thing. So there's going to be... Uh, here's a scenario for you then, right? Next year, there's going to be a new Austin Powers movie. Yeah. And the, the person they've decided for, to, to be involved in the premiere is Pete Donaldson. Yeah. And you have got to dress like Austin Powers, and you have to do your whole presentation thing, but after every sentence, you've got to say, yeah. Groovy baby, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Will you do it? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that would be big bucks. That would be more bucks than I'm usually used to. But I'm so, asking you whether you do it or not. Yeah, I probably, yeah, probably would. I would pay 500 quid to see it. I would go and watch it. I would go and watch it. It's so funny. Well, you know. I'd like, I've not heard from anyone called Paul Jackson yet, as asked, as requested no. last week. Where's your PJs, Luke? I don't know. Where are your I'm PJs? hoping they're going to manifest themselves at some point. Out loud. For those who didn't hear last week's show, Paul Jackson is the bass player of T'Pau. Um, I thought it was such a, um, what would you say, what would the word be for it? Like such a boring, ordinary name that I thought there must be someone out there called that. But anyway, so far, no. Um, Terrence Trent Darby changed his name. To what? To something else. And what? he said it saved his life because he said he killed Terence Trent Darby and he was so happy. So I look it up? Uh, it's not important. Um, Sananda Maltreya. Yeah, because when I first heard it, I thought, oh, has he, has he transitioned or something? But no, he, he just changed his name. But his original name is Terence Trent something or other, <laughs> which is weird. Oh, right. So Sign your name across my heart. It's a good tune, that. Sign your... Oh, I'm not going to sing. It's been... Oh, too quiet. It's been... Have you got sign your name on there? That was... It's been somewhere, probably. Right. It's been... Um, would you want me to go first? Uh, well, uh, that was my it's been. I've seen uh, Blade Runner. Oh, you did it before the jingle again. <laughs> What's the point of having these jingles? I'm putting the cart before the horse. You are. It's fine. And the horse has bolted. Mm. Um, okay, so you saw Blade Runner. You don't want to give, do any spoilers, but can you say anything else about oh, it? Oh, God, it's impossible to... Oh, the the actor who... It's impossible to talk about Blade Runner's um, plot without giving away spoiler after dripping spoiler. Right. It's so spoilery. But there are some wonderful performances. Uh, the, the guy who played Noi Albanoi, or Noi the Albanoi, um, uh, one of my favourite Icelandic films, uh, one of my favourite films, in fact, um, a very bleak tale about an albino boy who wants to escape his uh, dreary life in Iceland, somewhere in the arse end of Norway. And uh, he, I once went to Iceland, and he, I, j- I just happened to be in a pub, and I went, that is Noi the Albanoi. And I raced after him. He came in, he was wearing like what could only be described as a smock. And he came in to the bar, left immediately. This is ridiculous, yeah. he said. Um, and I chased after him and I said, Are you know the Albanoi? And he went, Yes. I went, I'll never do that but it's Noy Albanoi which is uh, you know yeah. not many people know, yeah. know who he is but he's in uh, he's in Blade Runner he plays a, uh, he a librarian nice lovely chap lovely sweet yeah. chap and it was um, it was around about one o'clock in the morning when it was uh, just starting to get light again yeah. which is interesting in Iceland so there we go what did you like about the film though just particularly I thought it um, quality wise it, 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 it's up there it was decent Yeah. Um, but I, I'm, I'm a sucker for anything um Futuristic and uh, and with a lot of Japanese kanji slash um, Korean hangul kicking around. Cool, it's right beautiful. Street, Just yeah? such a beautiful, such a beautiful picture. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing it. I yep. really am. Who directed it again? Uh, Villeneuve. And what else has he done? Um, I don't know. I'm not. A, I'm not a film buff. I must admit, I, it takes something for me to actually sit down and. I'm a bit Michael Owen in many ways. Oh really? It, it takes me something to uh, actually sit down and watch a film. I sort of go, did he do? Apparently, apparently he did Sicario, but I haven't seen that. Oh, that's good. That's decent. Did he do that? Oh, so. Maybe I'm a Villeneuve fan secretly. I just didn't know. 
Oh, you did, did a rival, which is absolutely brilliant. Oh, I haven't seen that yet. That's fantastic. That's that's three bangers in a row. There we go. He's he's up there now, isn't he? He's right up there. A rival Whoa. is honestly one of the most intelligent sci-fi movies I've seen for a long time. I enjoyed um, the fact that him and um, Ridley Scott just had uh, almost a stand-up row at one of the, like the press launches um, about Decker being a replicant or not. <laughs> like, oh God! <laughs> I think you know the years haven't been like the years. I think haven't been kind really Scott, but obviously he's this guy stepping in and directing it and he sort of, uh, I think really Scott's slightly re- rewriting history, sort of going, well, it doesn't make any sense if Decker isn't a replicant. And, and Villeneuve's going, no, he could be not a replicant. And I'm going, and he's going, I made the film! Right. I made the film! <laughs> Ridley Scott's old now, he'll be 80 next uh, month. Is he? 80 next month. Holy mo- and he's still grafting. No, he made a couple of the uh, Alien movies, didn't he, recently? He went to college at the end of my street. He's from your neck of the woods, isn't he? I don't know. No, he's from Wales. No. I think he's from Wales. Is he really? Okay. I think he might be from Wales, you know. I thought I he was from he... your neck of the woods. No, but it, weirdly, like my mother, uh, he ended up in Hartlepool briefly. Born in South Shields, so joke's on you. Oh, fuck. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, I've been... Listen, I, I've, this is going to sound tacky, right. but trust me when I tell you, it is brilliant. Um, I went and did the Crystal Maze experience. Mate, I've done it before. I, was, I, I enjoyed it immensely. It's a great... It is honestly so good. I cannot stress how good it is. I had so many misgivings about how it's not going to be as good as the original. It was honestly, from start to finish, like exactly like doing the entire Crystal Maze. It's right, brilliant. Okay. It is br- the guy we had to take us around was fantastic. Yeah, those those guys are really rather well uh, so, put together. So I, I have this thing, I'm not really a huge fan, you might be the same, of these sort of out-of-work comedians and actors who do these sort of sort of you know, I guess extroverted type things like performance art type stuff I'm the sort of guy who cringes when I walk down the road and someone comes up to me well and it's, just, it's just like um, uh, London Dungeon kind of but thing but that's what you get though isn't it but, you, yeah, you, it's like, but that's what you get to go around with isn't yeah. it? Someone, but you can't call them out work actors they're literally working quite. acting and, and the guy performing the Richard O'Brien role for, for us was this guy called Flint Angel and he was so good yeah, he's so good from start to finish. Yeah. He was in character the whole time. Yeah, and I I got to do a physical game, got the crystal, uh, and a mental game, didn't get the crystal. Right, um, but I got one out of two. Um, we we're chucked in with a team. There's four of us and four people we didn't know. It's a team of eight, but you can book it as a team of eight where you know everyone. That's what we did. I, I I knew everybody apart from two people, and those two people got on my tits like you wouldn't believe. Yeah, it can happen. C- competitive people. Now, our, our, our people, you know what I'm like. Yeah, our, our, our people were we were right actually. They were cool and. Um, but when you did it, did you do two games? I did two games. Did you get the crystals? I got the crystals in one, and I got an automatic lock-in. Did <laughs> you really? Because I, I was honest. I, was, you, you, I put my foot on the green, which was the la- hot, hot lava, um, and obviously there's no indication whether you've done it or not, and nobody actually noticed, but I went, ah, oh, balls. And, oh, really? And, and sort of was that a physical it. game in Aztec Zone? That was a physical, it, yeah. Well, you have to run around and get the eggs. Yes, that's, that's the one what, I did. I got the crystal. Got, well, I could have done it. That's the annoying thing. But, but I didn't. But I, 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 I was honest. Yeah. And I got locked in. Oh, I might lock in. So I had to solve a puzzle, which was really easy. But I really laboured over it. Okay. So, so for those who are listening, who don't know what we're talking about. There was a quiz show in the nineties, mm. a physical sort of type role play quiz show where you have to go and do as, as a team of however I think there's five in the show and the guy takes you around different zones and you do different types of games to get a crystal and if you get if you do the game and complete it without getting a penalty you get a crystal mm. and each crystal means five seconds in the crystal dome at the end and you collect as many gold tokens as you can at the end and you exchange those gold tokens for prizes and it was like an iconic like cultish 90s game show wasn't mm. it and they've done a completely new experience the one I went to was in North London but I think they're dotted around uh, and I just cannot recommend it enough it was such fun it mm. was really good and it's uh, what I liked about it is they had uh, all of these little scenes 
screens. <laughs> and if you looked into the ceiling, it was just like a, they'd clearly just repurposed a, an office because <laughs> you had right. like the polystyrene, uh, That's right. polystyrene squares at the top. Did you watch a little video of Richard O'Brien at the beginning? Oh, we do, we do have the, has he been added in? I've not seen that. Video. No, it's like it's just like a compilation clips thing. Oh, right, because he... Uh, I don't think he, I appreciate I how he, good he was. He owns the rights, doesn't he? To, and he also wrote Rocky Horror Picture Show. He is. He must be minted. Does he live in Australia now, I think? I saw him in the, in the Grouch Show once, and two men were doing some drugs in the toilet. Uh, is that... Yeah, yeah I think that's, that's all right to say. He shouldn't be doing it, but, you yeah. know, they didn't get caught, so what are you going to do? Yeah, but it might, uh, and, be, it might and, be bad for the reputation of the Grouch Show. Well, the Grouch Show make it very clear uh, on pretty much it. every pane of glass in the toilet that uh, anybody do caught it, yeah. doing loose will be taken out. Uh, and prosecuted. And shot to the fullest extent of the law, yeah. uh, and um, and Richard O'Brien was outside the cubicle, and he was like, "Oh, somebody's doing drugs in there. Leave some there for me." Oh, and then he just like left the toilet. Was he really over the top? Yeah, and I thought, brilliant. That's yeah. all I needed from you. That's all I needed from you, Richard. I don't think I appreciated how good he was when I saw it on TV. Fantastic. I'd say you know you'd put him, you, those sort of characters that, that we forget so easily, like your Barry Malls. Um, uh, his, I guess, you know, ended in a slightly different way, but I think sometimes you sort of go, oh, they were really bloody good. They were forces of nature. Proper entertainers, yep. yeah. Yep, yep, yep. All right, good. Well, that's what I've been doing. So you've been in the cinema. I've been to Crystal May's experience. Mm. Um, I think I told you before that I've seen It. I saw It, the movie, recently. That's quite good. Um, I don't know if I told you or Ben. I can't remember now. But and that's worth seeing as well. Yeah, did you, did you, did you go like a midnight screening or something like that? No. no? I spent normal. Oh, okay. yeah, good. Um, but yeah, should we do some emails? Uh, let's do some emails. Let's get into uh, the next section of the show. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, Luke, don't gunge me, mate. Pipe down, Pete. I told you never to argue with the customers. Pipe down, Pete. I told yeah. you never to argue with the customers. Or yeah, you've got to stop them doing them. I don't think you should ever be in a customer service role anyway. Um, have I ever been a customer? I used to be in a betting shop. I used to work in a betting shop. Zoo? John Joyce. Zoo's quite a uh, customer service role, though. No, I was working in the education district. What were you doing there? I was uh, tasked with creating a... Teaching the monkeys. CD-ROM. CD-ROM. Teaching the monkeys how to be better monkeys. Now I was making an educational CD-ROM that I never finished. Now, to my eternal discredit. How long did it's you one, work there for? Uh, yeah, I did manage. It took to you years to one CD-ROM, and you didn't honestly, finish it. I, I, it was a joke. <coughs> but I sort of talked them down to just doing three days a week because um, I was in a band and I thought it was cool. Did I you thought, get, I'm not going to need you guys anymore. Did you get paid? It, well, it, that's the thing. It was fifty quid a week, and that's not livable, honourable. So I was on hardship grants and all kinds of shit to get. Were you at uni at the time? Yeah, to to get to get through it. So uh, yeah, not not great, not ideal. Never no. mind. Makes Never sense. mind. 
Yeah. Should I do uh, an email first? Uh, yeah. There's a really long one here, but do you want to do one first and then I'll do this one after? Okay. Give me a rest. <laughs> All right, then. Uh, shall we go for... Um, well, I'm going to do um, Anonymous. Anonymous's email. Is that all right? This is not the really long one about the... Um, does it start off Dear Luke and Pete slash Pete and Luke? Um, yes, it is. Do you want to do that? If you Because you've got the well, That's the long one I was going to do. Yeah, okay, all right. We'll, okay. we'll do that one. We'll do that one. Because it's, right. it's a good one. It's a long one, but it's a good one. Okay, right. So right. The, the sender of this email would like to remain anonymous, but he says, Dear Luke and Pete slash Pete and Luke. Um, it is Luke and Pete fine. Uh, apologies for what has ended up being a ridiculously long email. I, uh, I completely understand if it's too rambling for the use in your show. Well, it isn't, Mr. Anonymous. Uh, he says, I wanted to add to your compendium of awkward family dinner stories. I'm afraid mine doesn't hit the heights of greedy cuntgate, which is what <laughs> I, I love that he's calling it that, um, although it is Christmas-based. It is also about a clash of cultures, the upper-middle-class pomposity of my father and the tight-fisted absurdity of my aunt, my mum's sister. To give you the measure of their characters, my dad was an officer in the army and boasts that he hasn't gotten on the ruddy tube in ten years, although he works in London a lot. My aunt, on the other hand, joyfully quibbles over ten-pence discounts at supermarket checkouts and once interrupted an email chain about a relative's funeral to advertise her Discount greetings cards. Wow. <laughs> wow. Wow, wow, wow. I love it. So seven or eight years ago now, my family were going to spend Christmas at my aunt's house, and she and my dad had come to an uneasy truce. She would do the cooking, and he would provide the drinks. The tone was set on Christmas Eve, when a trifle consisting predominantly of strawberry angel delight was paired with a £20 dessert wine, which my uncle described, quite accurately, as like a melted calippo. <laughs> <laughs> Much to my dad's chagrin. However, worse was to come when the turkey on Christmas Day came around. Now, my dad takes pride in being the first customer to order his from the local butcher each year in July, but my aunt's turkey was not from a local butcher or even from the local Tesco. No, it was from her meat man, her words, not mine, who trundles around her neighbourhood selling dead animals of dubious oh, provenance God. from the back of a van. Just stolen, murdered animals. It really was vile, Pete, apparently. Sitting in the fridge, it looked like somebody had half-heartedly draped a large rice pudding skin over the sagging buttocks of an elderly cadaver. (laughs) (laughs) It didn't look any better after cooking, and when instructed to carve it, my uncle approached it with the glassy-eyed resignation of someone forced to dissect a childhood pet. (laughs) Once on my plate, it was actually a relief to find that it only had the taste and texture of soggy cardboard, but it was still profoundly unpleasant to eat and proved to be too much for my dad. After enduring a couple of forkfuls, he rose from the table with the excuse that he had to get more drinks from the cool box. (laughs) After ten minutes, we realised he still hadn't come back, so my aunt went to search for him. She went across the hallway and into the kitchen, where she found him furiously frying two turkey breasts that he had smuggled along in the cool box. (laughs) On Christmas Day, he's smuggling in his own turkey. At the time, of course, we at the dining table didn't know of his uh, deceit. All we heard was my aunt scream in horror and my dad bellow the immortal words, I'm not eating any more of that damnable foul <laughs> to which my aunt almost bettered with her response of I'll oh, fuck off back to the 19th century I don't know who I'm with there 
I know, it's a difficult it. one. Like, yeah, damnable I, foul. I hate tight-fisted people. Fuck so off back to the 19th century. I'm going with the posh dad. He says, uh, the exchange was both the peak and the deer of every family Christmas I've ever had. It led to a blazing row between both sets of parents, which cast a shadow over the rest of the day. But my cousins, my brother and I were crying tears of laughter at how ridiculous the situation was. Even more so when my dad proclaimed a couple of minutes later that my aunt's turkey gave a new meaning to the term Coco Van. <laughs> both my dad's turkey breasts and my aunt's shriveled meat lump of doom ended up in the bin to this day she still sometimes tells my dad to piss off back to the 19th century or stick his monocle up his ass but her words have become infused with warmth over time and the whole incident is now the stuff of family legend that is a great email that is a great email well written well dispatched thank you anonymous thank you very much mr anonymous uh, i do really want to read, read his name he's got quite a good name but i, I, like, I, won't, I won't betray her confidence i like the idea i like the idea of like just buying your christmas it's your christmas meal not the meat, man. Not the man. Have you ever bought like meat off or fish out of a uh, just just off a guy? I get a guy um, who, who knocks on the door semi regularly now, where I live in South London, offering to sell this fish. Yeah, but I never buy it. No, I'm trying to think. Have I ever? Uh, my dad once brought home a crab he found on a pipe. He used to work at a chemical plant, um, and he found a crab <laughs> on a pipe. And in about seven o'clock in the morning, when what? I was getting ready for school, he was cooking a crab, and it, as it was trying to crawl out the pot. And it was, <laughs> and the, the air escaping from his uh, from his shell made like a screeching noise. I think was, that's the ho- most haunting thing that's it was, been mentioned on this show. No what, kind of, no, what is life? No start, no start to the the school day really. I just I'd done me paper round. I'd done my graft. He'd done his, and he'd come on with a live crab in his bag. I don't like being on a show with someone who talks about their dad bringing home a crab he found on a pipe. I don't even know what that means. But we live on. It was a. He worked in a chemical works. It was next to a beach. So. Your dad's not, come not home the nicest speech. I found a crab on a pipe. Yeah, I'm going to cook it and eat it. Did he, and he ate it as well. Yeah, when he first uh, arrived uh, in Hartlepool from Seaham, which I don't think is quite as close to the sea as Hartlepool. I've certainly he went basically down to um, Hartlepool Beach, which is not known for its um, splendour. It's not the Costa del Sol. No, let's put that way. no. Uh, and he just and as he, many criminals, though. And he's <laughs> Uh, none of them pay tax, uh, and uh, and he uh, there was just cockles everywhere. And he's like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, got a bucket, fill them up. For, why is nobody eating all these cockles? Why is nobody eating these cockles? This is insane. He soon found out why nobody right, ate okay. the cockles. Give him the shits uh, for days. For yeah. days, he said he thought he was going to die. Give so. him the two bobs. Yeah. Um, so, did I tell you the story about me in the Charlie Chaplin pub in Elephant and Castle? No. So I was in. It's quite. It used to be quite a rough pub. I don't know where if it is now. I don't really go there. Um, but it's a big if, if you know that part of London it's a big pub on the corner of the massive roundabout and I'm in there having a beer I can't remember why I was there I must have been going I might have been going to a, a gig or something and I'm in this pub about 6 o'clock having a few beers and this guy comes up to me looks, it looks like a wrong one older mm. guy sort of unshaven he's the sort of guy who would, who would tell you that he was pals with the craze or something that yeah, sort of yeah, guy yeah. comes up to me and he goes alright uh, do you want to buy some cheese and I said eh, not really and he pulled out a massive deli block of cheese mm. still in the plastic right and I said no I don't really want it and he went, too much cheese and he went oh it's only a five or something I was like it's actually really good value um, but I, I still and, and cheese doesn't really you can keep it quite easily in a cupboard can't you you don't have to f- you don't have to well it has to be refrigerated no it has to be refrigerated nah, nah mate cheese come on I, I always refrigerate my cheese get in touch if you don't hello at lukeandpeter.com well, like, you see like brie and stuff that's just a hanging about isn't it in True. the larders this, this story hasn't finished I um, would keep cheddar in the fridge because it would dry out otherwise. Well, you're rowing back now. You're rowing back I'm now. I'm not. I'm just saying. 
Because I, I, I have this thing about when you go to the supermarkets, if you buy tomatoes or blueberries, for example, from the supermarket, mm. they're not refrigerated. No. But you put them in the... Well, you put the blueberries in the fridge, I think. <laughs> tomatoes, apparently, it's bad for the flavour to put them in the fridge. Oh, is it? Right, okay. Yeah, and I think it's Oh, bad. I'm at a sensitive teeth. Imagine biting in a tomato. I know, exactly, yeah. Ah. And I don't think you have to put eggs in the fridge either, do you? No. No. <coughs> anyway, so the guy tries to sell him the cheese. I say no. This is no word of a lie. He's doing this round the shop. Sell round, my cheese. Round the, yeah, your mother. Round the, round the pub, he's trying to sell this cheese. Mm. And he eventually sort of disappears. It's quite a big pub. About five minutes later... A mouse comes in. No, <laughs> massive mouse. A big mouse. No, five minutes later, the same guy comes in the same door he came in earlier, um, and he comes right up to me again and says, do you want to buy this? And he's got a car battery. So do you reckon he's projecting he swapped it for a car battery? I, I, I'm do you reckon not... he's like a swap guy? He's trying to you know, make his million by just swapping larger and more valuable things. There's a book about that called... Is it called One Red Paperclip? That oh, guy right, starts okay, off yeah. with a paperclip and, and gets like, a house or something, yeah. I'm not buying cheese of a man who also sells car batteries and vice versa. Oily hands. Yeah. I mean, you can at least test the cheese immediately. You can't test a car battery <laughs> immediately, can you? It's one of those things where if I had a few more pints and I had a few crack- crackers lying around, I might break into it. Just give it, <laughs> Just give it a go. Get involved. Yeah, give it a go. I think I've spoken about it on this very show that uh, a man at a deli in Onorok Park once sold me um, a similar large amount of cheese that he'd got in, halloumi cheese perfect. that he'd got in for a, uh, yeah, perfect, yeah, for a cheesecake. He said, he said, no, no, he no, said no. I'm thinking about making a cheesecake. I've got all this halloumi. Do you want some? I'll give you a good deal. And I was like, I like cheesecake. Maybe I'll try making a cheesecake. I didn't know what halloumi was. I'd only been in London for a year. I'd never tasted it. It's not a cheesecake cheese and all no, that for a it's fact. It's very salty and very fatty. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't you, you, I, I've, I've actually just had to, I'm going for a big meal with my family soon. And it's one of those places where you have to tell <laughs> You're them. looking that forward that far. No, I'll tell I'm you why. for a meal with my I'll family I'll tell you why, soon. because my family's got involved and said to me we're doing this thing. Right. Um, my cousin's very talented and he's, uh, he's actually performing the West End at the moment right. we're going to go watch him and um, we're going for dinner afterwards hmm. and I, uh, the reason I know I'm having halloumi is because it's one of those restaurants where you have to tell what, what you're having in advance oh is that right yeah I think so, piss off it's, it's a big party so they, they, you have to so I'm, right. having, I'm having halloumi you got halloumi and I'm having a steak I don't think it is fatty I think it's got a oh, lot mate, of rennet in of, it. It's full of fat. I, it, it, it would be too... Nah, I'm not having that. Do you want me to Google I it right quite, now? I reckon it's, it's, it's one of the lower fat cheeses. It's too taut, too you're tight. Out your, you're out of your mind. A brie, fatty, fair do's. Camembert, fatty, fair do's. All the gorgons, all of that. It's, they're sweaty. You can feel the grease on them. Halloumi, I think it's just the rennet and the um, and the uh, proteins are, are so strong. That's why it holds its... Hold it's, uh, You're doing a very convincing itself. job of... Um, uh-uh, yeah. it's, it's 71% fat. Yeah, well, well all right, compare it to, to another one. Type in Gorgonzola. No, what percentage of fat? Can I just do cheddar for a real, to a real reducer? No, because that's, that's a similar cheese. Gorgonzola, okay. Fat content of Gorgonzola, yeah? Yeah. Okay, all right. I'll give it a go. 71% halloumi. <laughs> <laughs> it's a um, turn, isn't it? Gorgonzola, um, 75%. Uh. It's not really solved any of our problems, really, no. has it? Shall I just do cheddar? I'm, I'm so surprised. Just for peace of mind, shall I do I'm cheddar? Surpri- <laughs> I'll, just do, I'll just do cheddar. I'm surprised 71% is uh, is halloumi. That's a lot of fat. To be fair, because we're in a live radio environment, I'm basically just looking at the first thing that comes up, so yeah. it might, this might even be wrong. Maybe there's um, a cheese expert. Maybe there's a cheese connoisseur. Fat content of cheddar looks to me 75.5, so about the same. Yeah, about the same. Yeah, so okay. maybe, maybe it is on the lighter side, but you just... 
you know, maybe it's I mean, between cheese, 70 and 80. It's cheese yeah. at the end of the day. It's cheese at the um, end of the day. What's the next email? It's your turn. Alright, I've got an email from um, Gareth. Hello, Gareth. Um, he's basically, um, <laughs> we, we mentioned Hachiko, the dog. The Shibuya dog. Oh yeah, give people a little quick pricey of that. Uh, Grey Fry's Bobby, but Japanese. A dog who would not uh, stop um, waiting at a station for his owner, even after his death. For ten years after his death. That's right, yeah. So there you go. Um, but basically, he um, he found the trailer to a Richard Gere <laughs> a Richard Gere um, film about it. Basically, a Hatchy, a Dog's Tale. It's called. Right. Uh, it wasn't made that long ago. To be honest, um, so so do you want to hear a little bit of it? It yeah. is un- it is unspeakable, to be quite frank. When was it made? It was made. I two thousand nine. Two thousand nine. So yeah, as you said, uh, Gareth Burroughs in Newport in Wales. He says, uh, I thought I'd share with the fact that the Hatchico uh, was turned into a really crap movie um, starring Richard Gere. Hence the film being really crap. Anyway, keep up the good work. But here is a little bit of it. Anyway, my grandfather. We're at a school. Hatchico was my grandfather Wilson's dog. A mystery dog because they never really knew where he came from. Dog appears. And that's where their story began. Hey, buddy, you lost? One chance encounter. He was at the train station. I just thought you'd bring him home and talk me into keeping him. Tomorrow morning, I'll find out exactly where he belongs. Became. Dad, I love him. A miraculous story. Does he have a name yet? Yes, he does. Temporary guest. <laughs> So the mum's not having it, but Richard Gere, the dad, is having it. No, 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 no. The ball. Ball. Richard Gere's got a ball in his mouth to show everyone uh, how, show the dog how to um, grab a ball. What's he doing? Whoa! Gonna work. So go ahead, go on home. I mean, it's just a lot of longing glances from Richard Gere towards a dog. Uh, to be fair, they've got the right, right kind of dog, and a Akita dog. Yeah. Been here all day? No, no, no. He just showed up two minutes ago. So this dog is just meeting him every uh, morning and afternoon um, from work. I think I know where this is going. Yeah. Oh. Oh dear. Not coming back. You don't have to wait anymore. <laughs> He's not coming back. Uh, and the person who says that is um, that block out of Seinfeld. <laughs> that guy. <laughs> Fat guy at Seinfeld. What's his name? George Costanza. George Costanza. Inspired a town. Is that the dog that I've been hearing so much about? To discover friendship can last forever. Every day, come, same time, same place. It sounds like you can make a good story. Starring Richard Gere. Award nominee, Joan Allen. She ain't getting one for that. No way. Terrible. And it's Jason Alexander, George Costanza. Here's one for you then. Has Richard Gere ever done a good film? <sighs> so people will say Pretty Woman. I haven't That's watched that for years, <laughs> but I would be surprised if it stands up well. And he's in Terence Malick's Days of Heaven, isn't he? Yeah. Which I, I can't really remember ever seeing, but uh, I'm sure it's good because it's Terence Malick. Richard Gere films. Other than that, we're struggling really, aren't we? <laughs> he's not done one for a long time. Um, he's in that film with Bruce Willis, The Jackal, but I don't, know, I don't think that's very good. No, I mean, like, uh, he was in Chicago. He followed up the success of uh, Chicago with Hatchy, A Dog's Tale. Runaway Bride? Oh, that's uh, Julia Roberts and him reunited. I'm not interested in that. Is it? That sounds terrible. <laughs> the bride runs away. But he's he's kind of um, indicative of a wider problem in Hollywood where an older man is paired up with a much younger woman. And yeah. there's, there's, you know, it's, it's never nice to see. There was a film fairly recently with Tom Cruise where isn't he, doesn't he star alongside 
Emily Blunt. Right. And she's his um, love interest, I think. Is it Edge of Tomorrow? Okay. And I think... I mean, how old would Tom Cruise be at the moment? Uh, 53. I'll check. Tom Cruise... This is just fact-checking. I'm having it, though. I'm having it, though. Tom Cruise is 55. Right. Emily Blunt is... I'm going to guess how old Emily Blunt is, because I think I I know... 33. 34. Ah! Yeah, so it, it wouldn't happen the other way around, would it, is what I'm saying? No, it wouldn't. It would and if it did, that would be what the film would be about. Yeah. Well, da- that would be uh, the yeah. plot of the film, <laughs> wouldn't it? I think Daniel Craig's uh, co-star was roughly his age in the last uh, Bond film. Yeah, it was... Um, and oh, what's her name? The Italian woman. I forget her name now. That beautiful woman. Yeah, she's the, very um, attractive. The, yeah. um, and uh, he made the point of sort of saying, well, you know... This this is exactly how it should be. Yeah, right. Okay. Rather than how it shouldn't be. So he's, there you go. Saying, this is exactly how it should be, and I mean specifically her. <laughs> <laughs> She's brilliant. Yeah. He's also married. Isn't he married to Rachel Vice? Yeah. Uh, um, any more emails? Edelweiss. Uh, n- n- none my end, unless you've got one that uh, you really, uh, you know. Well, I've got one here, which, but from Aaron Inglethorpe, who, who takes us back to um, Death Row. Oh right. Okay. We were going to do it last week. But we didn't. Yeah. Death um, Row. Death Row Prisoners and Their Last Meal. We talked quite a lot about Prisoners' Last Meal, quite interesting. And Aaron chips in by saying, uh, apparently the last meal for Death Row Prisoners may have been a bribe, traditionally, to stop the ghosts of the prisoners haunting the executioners. Mm. And he includes a quote here which says, in medieval Europe, many believed that well-fed prisoners could be executed without fear of their returning as ghosts. The quality of the final meal was also believed to influence the likelihood of their doing so. If the food and drink were of the best quality, it was believed that prisoners would be less likely to haunt their executioners. If the meals were poor, many believed prisoners would return as malevolent spirits bent on tormenting those involved in their death. Wow. There we go. Could be something to do with it. (laughs) Well, at least they're thinking about it. That's all I'm saying. At least they're thinking about it. Shall we do a bit of Mencarta? Yeah. Let there be justice for all. You don't understand. Willie was a salesman. Say simply, very simply, with hope. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, good morning, everyone. Good morning. You need to cut the end of that off, by the way. No, okay. you do it. We're moving to a new I, studio, I, I so we can't do, do, we it. Can do it. We can do it when we move to the new studio. Um, right. Sakata. When I was in Sakata a couple of weeks ago, I was um, lucky enough to see a mummy. Two mummies, in fact. Oh, you said you were going to Mencarta it last week, was, but you forgot. Yeah, I didn't induct. I didn't forget. I just ran out of time. Yeah. Uh, we don't. We don't want to labour points on this show, yeah. uh, even though we have just spent about five minutes googling Richard Gere films. <laughs> That's <laughs> the beauty of it. Though. That's the freedom of it. <laughs> the freedom. Can we get Richard Gere on? Uh, so. Uh, um, when I was there, I saw two movies. Basically, we we were on the way back from. I went up to uh, a friend of a friend's internet startup company. Uh, a guy made a lot of money in um, solar panels. This is very brand balanced on this. Yeah, so he made, made money in solar panels, and we went to his. Basically, there's not a lot of stuff going on in in Sakata, so people are just leaving the the young and the talented. So this guy's trying to re. Um, Get, get people to stick, stick around, basically, and, right. and, and do their thing in, 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 in leafy cicada. Leafy, sleepy cicada. And um, we went to his internet starter company. I rode on a hoverboard for the first time, you know, those little wheelie things. Any good? Uh, after the first falling off, I tore my trouser from... Um, uh, through the tent. I tore my trouser, my tent was exposed. You know, if I was not wearing trousers, I, uh, pants, <laughs> I would have... Um, I would have Lenny Kravitz. <laughs> I would have Lenny Kravitz everywhere. Did you, um, did you actually properly fall off, then? 
time. Yeah, well, I felt like, yeah, massively, and tore my trousers asunder. Um, um, then we went for sushi. Um, and when, like, and he's this big kind of Japanese guy, and, he, and like, and he's a proper boss guy. Um, and he eats sushi like uh, you're supposed to, apparently, with your hands. None of this chopstick right, nonsense. You just pick with it up your hands. hands. Okay. And you don't dip the rice in the um, soy sauce. You turn the sushi upside down and dip the meat, the tuna or whatever. Um, right. And, and then you what eat difference it. does it make? Uh, well, it just means that your rice isn't saturated with uh, with soy sauce. Because we all know that rice absorbs a lot of water. It's literally its job, whether you're clearing out an iPhone or yeah. drying out an iPhone or uh, just cooking rice. That's what or it drying, does. drying your clothes. But on the way back, you just went, do you want to see a mummy? In Japanese to my friend, and my friend went, do you want to see mummy? And then I said, all right then. Yeah. Or, hi. <laughs> could, he, could this guy not speak any English? Uh, no, very little. Okay. And I speak very little Japanese. But, uh, so we went to see uh, two mummies. Um, the Shingen sect, uh, which is kind of like one part old Shintoism, uh, one part Buddhism, one part Taoism. And uh, basically it's the process of self-mummification. Self-mummification? That yeah. sounds pretty full on. Sokushinbutsu. Sokushinbutsu. Um, so basically, th- these two mummies, I think there's 12 of them in total um, who managed to uh, do it um, right. in, in the region. And there was two of them in front of me in this really dark room, so solemn and quiet. This woman sort of led us in very quietly. There's nobody in the town. And we were with only three people uh, looking at these mummies. Are they, they are dead. Yes. Yeah, you're saying. They've been dead for a long time. Yeah, okay. So, these are the steps involved in what these two men, these skeletal, you know, skeletal mummy men, uh, who look good for their age, you know, this is like a good, you know, 400 years ago or something. Right. Um, Extremely rigorous and painful um, steps involved. For the first 1,000 days, the monks ceased all food except nuts, seeds, fruits, and berries. Um, so they and they also engaged in extensive physical activity to strip themselves of all body fat. So this is this is basically a conscious decision to essentially kill themselves. Yeah, but they didn't see it as suicide. They saw it as eternal life. Right. For the next thousand days, after they've stripped themselves of all body fat, their diet was restricted to just bark and roots. Near the end of this period, they would drink poisonous tea made from the sap of the Urushi tree, which caused vomiting and a rapid loss of bodily fluids. Wow. It also acted as a preservative because maggots and bacteria that would cause the body to decay after death wouldn't eat the body because it's poisonous. Weird. Right. Um, In the final stage, after six years of torturous preparation, the monk would lock himself in a stone tomb barely larger than his body, uh, like a hole in the ground, like in a crouched, um, cross-legged position with about, probably about six feet or maybe ten feet of rocks on top of you, basically. Um, not, not like pressurising you, there, there were supports, yeah. but that, this is the space you had. Um, he was seated in like the lotus position. Uh, it was no, no bigger than his body. He would go into a state of meditation um, and it was a position he wouldn't move until he, he died. And there was a small air tube provided um, so it would supply oxygen to the tube. It would also have a string through this tube as well because every uh, morning, each day, uh, the monk rang a bell to let the outside world know he was still alive. When the bell stopped ringing, the tube was removed and the tomb was sealed for uh, the final thousand-day period of the ritual. At the end of the period, the tomb would be opened to see if the monk was successful in mummifying himself. If the body was found in a preserved state, the monk was raised to the status of Buddha. His body was removed from the tomb and he was placed in a temple where he was worshipped and revered. If the body had decomposed, though, the monk was resealed in the tomb and respected for his endurance, but not worshipped. My God. That's a fuck you, isn't it? That was hey? a full-on thing to listen to, that, Pete. I mean, it was a full-on thing to see, to be honest. That was, that was the, that, that, that stuff is great because it's really interesting to know 
mad stuff that goes on. But that, for me, in terms of people listening to that, that's up there with the torture stuff we were doing. No, nah, well, you do, you, do it, you do it to yourself, and that's what really hurts, as Tommy Ock once sang. <laughs> yeah. Sakushimbutsu. Wow. So. And is that, is that like a... I mean, obviously it doesn't happen now, but back in the day, was that a fairly It was outlawed. Thing? It was outlawed, in fact, by the uh, Japanese government. But was it fairly common? Well, it was common within this particular sect, which is very small, a very small sect. But uh, wow. there's 12 uh, functioning mummies, let's say. What an and, 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 and who knows how many others that haven't been deified, mm? kicking about. Mumsy! <laughs> and I... The thing is, I'd... That was the day that I'd torn my trousers, and I didn't. Oh want to God, see... that's real hardship. I, <laughs> I tell you what, they what they've been through, no, have they? But I was looking at this. So she comes in, she rings this bell, she bows t- to the two mummies, and she opens the doors to these two mummies. And I wasn't expecting to see the mummy, so I had my prescription sunglasses on. So I looked like Mr. Rockstar fucking Bono, looking, not taking my sunglasses off because I can't see anything otherwise. And and I had my legs crossed because. Because <laughs> if I opened my legs, you could see my my pants. <laughs> and right, these guys have been deified. These guys are buddhas, effectively. Yeah. And this and the and the Japanese bloke give me and my mate a, a, a nudge, and I, I had to open my legs to show them me my pants. But they're dead. They don't know. It's disrespectful, isn't it, mate? Mind I'm wearing sunglasses and I've got my pants out. If anyone beyond death would know, it'd be them. They've earned the right, haven't they? They've earned the right. Well, listen, if you want to... So, if, yeah. if you want to... If you want to get involved in uh, some Butsu... Don't self-mummify. Don't self-mummify. <laughs> but if you, if you are going to... Um, if you are going to contribute... You want to lose weight? Nuts and nuts seeds? That's what I've been doing. If, if you are going to contribute further to that, then do get in touch. Hello at lukeandpeetshow.com. Have you or seen a mummy? For anything, or for anything, you know. Why not? One of the major uh, exhibitions, uh, exhibits rather, in the um, Grey Art Museum in Hartlepool, our only museum, um, certainly when I was a kid, it's probably still there, was... Um, excuse me. Did a little bap. Um, uh, was a um, skeleton of a mermaid... Oh, oh, really? So it was a, 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 a top half of a person and um, the bottom half of a fish. And that was on display. And for the longest time, I believe mermaids existed because of this disgusting the only affront to God. One of the main museums in my hometown is Explosion! Exclamation mark. The Museum of Naval Firepower. Oh, God. Yeah. This just, just... I'll be honest, I've never been there. <laughs> Uh, right, let's get out of here. Uh, hello at LukeandPeteShow.com. Help us out, unless you want me talking about the process of Sakushimbutsu. Pete does like to make it difficult for, the, for you, the listener, and that's his own fault. Um, Twitter is at Luke and Pete Show, and so mm-hmm. is Instagram, and as Pete says, the email address is hello at LukeandPeteShow.com. Let's get out of here. We'll speak to you next week, probably, I imagine. If we haven't mummified ourselves. Past the tree bark. Mother! ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl. 
Let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.